Oh, you are in for a treat. Oh, you're in for a treat. Probably the best episode in the Chatters, what, at this point, six-year history? Not probably. The best episode. Special guest, Lorenzo Neal, the five-time Pro Bowl fullback, former Cincinnati Bengal. He joins the show. It was electric, funny, informational, good stuff all around. I'm Chuck alongside my co-host, Houdini. Let's go. It took a long time. Your grandparents, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, the milkman, the librarian, everyone told you that there was no chance this day could ever come, but it's here. Marijuana pot smoke is legal in the state of Ohio. The Stony MacGyvers rejoice in those sketchy drug dealers that were selling marijuana out of their parents' basement. No longer have a job. They're going to have to be the local paper boys. Where's the pot capital of Cincinnati going to be? Where are all the dispensaries going to be? Because I lived in the pot capital of California in Pacifica, where we had four dispensaries and three grocery stores. I'm wondering, is there going to be anywhere like that in Cincinnati? You know, is there going to be an area? Maybe it's maybe it's O'Brienville. I could see O'Brienville being the pot capital of Cincinnati. Your thoughts? Oh, well, did you see Athens voted over 75 percent of Athens County voted yes on legalizing marijuana. It was like double the votes of any other county in the in the state. So I, I doubt Athens will be the the number one dispensary spot. I mean, it's going to be probably Columbus. Throw it right dead center in there, right? Why not? Toledo. I could see Toledo, that dog shit city, Toledo. They might need some just from an economy standpoint, just start building different marijuana dispensaries. So Dark Horse Toledo, I think. Um, but I think the bigger issue here is, Chuck, because you and I, we both talked about this many times in our college days. We were part of the anti-pot coalition in college. Um, we were, you know, at the with the picket fences. We were always talking about the dangers of what marijuana, especially underage marijuana pot, can do. You know, first it starts out with eating Hot Pockets and, you know, Cheeto Puffs. Next thing you know, you're committing felonies. You're committing crimes. So when I heard about this, I was thinking, if you've seen The Purge, the second that happens, like you hit a button and like your your doors come down, you have metal barriers across all your windows, because I'm terrified. There's a bunch of kids high on marijuana pot looking to kill you now, and now they just made that legal, Chuck. They just made that legal. Scary stuff. Uh, Awakenings Coffee, who's the official sponsor of the Chatter Podcast, their owner just reached out to me and said, what are we going to do? There's going to be folks walking to our store with blunts in their hands and, and with bongs in their backpacks. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to go that far, man. It's still Ohio. It's still a pretty conservative place for the most part. California wasn't that way, man. Like there was a place in San Francisco called Mission Dolores. And Mission Dolores was one of the most wild places on planet Earth. It was this park that had a big overlook, almost like a Mount Adams or something of downtown Cincinnati and just a bunch of green space at the very bottom. It was like a, a playground for little children. And on the left side, there was like soccer fields. And then the rest of it was just people either boozing, playing hacky sack because they love that in California or just doing drugs. And in California, it wasn't just marijuana, you know, like there would be, I, I'm not even joking. There'd be people walking around mushrooms. Get your mushrooms in. We got your mushrooms. Like it's it's ballpark seating basically, and they're walking around with just 
illegal drugs, and I guess they're legal at this point, um, the hallucinogens are in California, but they weren't at that point. And they're just walking them around. They're yelling, you know, that they got ecstasy. And all. It's a wild place in San Francisco. Uh, Cincinnati's not going to be like that anytime soon. I don't think there's going to be many dispensaries around there, but you buried the lead, Houdini. I asked you where the pot capital of Cincinnati would be, not the state oh. of Ohio. So Toledo, like, what are you talking about? Shout out Toledo, though. The pot, Cincinnati, I don't know. Uh, Price Hill, make it right by Elder High School. I mean, as far as trying to think of specific spots in Cincinnati, when I saw that or when you said that, I immediately thought Ohio. Um, I don't know. Throw it uh, on the West End down in OTR. People would eat it up, man. Throw it right by TQL Stadium. You get a, a 50 milligram edible and then go paint your face orange and go absolutely nuts while FC Cincinnati wins the MLS title. And again, this is an anti-marijuana pot smoke podcast. It starts off as just taking a little puff of a joint or eating a little bite of a gummy or, you know, taking a little nibble of a cookie. And next thing you know, I don't even want to say what the ramifications could be if marijuana pot smoke. It it destroys people. It ruins Bring lives. back that commercial. That commercial you melt where the into a couch. Is, yeah, she's like, they're like, yeah. Ever since, ever since Sarah started smoking pot, she doesn't do shit. And then it looks over and she's like, they're like, don't smoke pot. They're like, hey, Sa Sarah. Yeah, hey Sarah, you want to go play some froth? You want to go play some frisbee golf? She's like, hold on, let me take another bite of this cookie. They're like, Jesus, the, Sarah. They had one. They had one. It wasn't circulating as much, but it was the dog. The dog started talking to the the owner who had just recently started smoking pot. And they're like, Tom, remember before you used to smoke pot, you used to take me to the dog park, used to used to go on walks and runs. Now all you do is sit around and play FIFA with Todd. And he's like, God, I got to get my shit together. And then it's like, do not smoke marijuana pot or your dog will start to like. All that did was want to make me smoke pot. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like. Carson's going to start talking to me. My pit bull mix is going to start fucking having conversations if I smoke enough. So I don't know. Um, like you said, though, it's not till like 2024. So anybody who's nervous, you know, I had, you know, multiple relatives. Time to move. You me. have time to move. Yeah. Yeah. You still have time. You still have time to get over to Kentucky where we do it right over here on this side of the river. No underage marijuana pot. Andy Bashir promised me. <laughs> Oh, speaking of smoking, smoking Joe and the Cincinnati Bengals. Another A plus segue, man. Wow. Another A plus. The king of segues, Houdini, the king of segues. And and somehow this man does not have a job in broadcasting. He's now a salesman going for President's Club. But hey, I'll still let it rip here on the podcast. But smoking Joe and the Bengals are rolling. They've won three in a row after. You know, it was a close game against the Bills, but I'm essentially going to say they hammered the Bills. I never felt like the Bengals were going to lose that game. This is the first show since that game. First chance we've had to talk about the stripe out heard around the world, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen at a sporting event. The fact that Cincy and you can call it Paycor. No, it's Paul Brown Stadium. The fact that Paul Brown Stadium pulled that off was absolutely remarkable. Tanner Houdini and the tight ends are starting to pick it up. Um, Burrow looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL again. I mean, just what a wild swing of events. You can go back in the archives into the chatter right now and just hear us talking about how bad the Bengals were and say like, oh, these two are absolute idiots. Oh, we were just telling it how it was. Like 
this is the worst team in the NFL four weeks ago, and now they look like they could potentially win a Super Bowl. You're spot on. And honestly, yeah, it wasn't even being over dramatic. We watched four games, and it was, I'm like, I think this this team sucks. Like, I, you, there's nothing else you could say. Obviously, we, you know, we knew it was Burrow's injury, but um, I didn't think it would turn around this quick. You know, I thought, I was like, that, ing- that injury's got to be lingering, but he looks prime as hell. I, I don't know if there's a team, I guess you could say, the Baltimore Ravens right now that you could possibly say or, you know, a, a better or more complete team. Cause I don't know if there is anybody with us on all cylinders. I saw like Portnoy put a $50,000 future on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, And I was thinking about doing that, you know, minus like 5,000. So like maybe 50 bucks, but um, I, when they're on, they're on man. And I never once, and you're talking about the bills game. I never once was worried during that Bills game. We, I mean, we kind of, I know it got closed for a second, but we pretty much had that game in hand from start to finish. Um, I think Houston coming up could be a little bit of a trap. They're sneaky. And, um, oh, yeah, before I get killed, shout out to Karen Hartoyne, girlfriend's mom, got me an orange sweatshirt so I could actually participate. I was at the game in that Your girlfriend's thing. mom? Your girlfriend's mom listens to the podcast? Oh, she might be the number one fan, Chuck. I'm Mrs. not even kidding. Mrs. Mrs. Hartoyne, I am very sorry that marijuana pot smoke was passed in the state. She's she's or is she new school? Is she progressive? Uh, let's just say her house is probably surrounded by a SWAT team right now ever since the news <laughs> broke. So <laughs> but yeah, the, they did the stripe thing and it sucked because um, like, dude, I don't have orange is the one color. I really don't have anything like I don't have an orange. If you're getting any bangle stuff, it's usually going to be black, right? I don't have any orange. I have white and they won't put the damn like the bangles. When that happens, they should have colors like a T-shirt. They throw on the seat. Instead, they make you go to the bangle shop. I think it's a marketing thing and try to make you buy stuff. But we obliged and everybody did it way more than I even thought. It looked fucking awesome uh, when I saw it on TV when they did the aerial shot. Um, And we beat the shit out of Buffalo again. And we're Super Bowl bound. It's that simple. I mean, it's as simple as the Bengals are literally the coolest team in the NFL again. I don't know. I guess a couple of years ago when, when Burrow put on the sunglasses and I went to that Super Bowl at SoFi and everyone was tailgating with the sunglasses on. And I was like, easy now. This is a blue collar city. You know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Screw it. At this point, let's be the cockiest team in America. I don't give a shit. Hey, fans of Kansas City, if you're listening you just like the ncaa screw you guys although you did say the baltimore ravens are the most complete team in the nfl i would argue that kansas city is still the most complete team in the nfl i mean their defense looks outstanding right now houston texans not the most complete team in the nfl but i did compare them to the york mint on the uh, nfl halloween candy show and that's a timeless show by the way uh you can go back and and listen to that now if you haven't already because at the very least, you hear how bad some of our comparisons are as the season progresses. And Houdini compared the Bengals to a Milky Way. The Milky Way is very average. The Bengals, not average whatsoever. That's why I called them a pack of fave red starburst. But the Houston Texans, the York Mint, you know, they 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 serve its purpose. They have potential. They get the job done every once in a while. They're just not going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, CJ Stroud looks like a superstar right now. Six and a half point spread favoring the Bengals. Texans right now are receiving the sharp action. 
I know that you've there, there's never been a spread in your life. And granted, I don't want to unit shame you. You're throwing like five bucks a game. So if you know Michaela or or Karen, if you're listening, whatever, Houdini's not going to lose the house. It's fine. He's going to lose like a subway sandwich. It, it does. It doesn't matter. But are, are you going? Are you going Texas? No. The, the, that's the problem as far as gambling, because I'll never bet against my squad. I, I will just lay off the game, though. Like this game, if I wasn't a Bengals fan, I'd say six and a half. I saw it at seven earlier. I'd say for sure take the Texans. Um, but that being said, I think this might turn into a game. Th- this is a pert chuck. I've, I've figured out how to beat Vegas. I know spread hunter says otherwise but i've recently figured this out one I six wait. and one by the way one six and yeah. one is houdini's one record six and one that's on record but i've figured I'm six out a and system. two we'll get into it in a bit let's hear your system hogwash system chuck it's it's honestly i gotta be the first person to ever implement this aka everyone's done it but i essentially you get it's so much easier to live bet these games regardless of what side you want to go on if the Texans, for example, get the ball to start and score a field goal, all of a sudden this line will drop. And let's say the Bengals don't get a first down on the next one. All of a sudden that line is down to three. And we know damn well the Bengals are getting the ball at half. Um, all it takes is one drive, essentially, to drive the line just ridiculously north or south. And it's not even it, – it, it doesn't equate to the risk that you're taking on. So I've just been waiting for a team to score and essentially flipping and going with the other squad. Tell me I'm not just a fucking genius. I know I'm going to get snipped on this. It'll be like, guy guy discovers live betting. That's all I really just described. I'm like, I'm a fucking <laughs> genius. I'm now live betting, dude. That's where you get the better value. For any of the young young kids that are you know responsibly gambling at home, just cash out. Cash out, go home, kiss your wife, and say the house is safe. Okay, just do that. The house is safe. Steaks on the grill next time. But this time, it's just the Salisbury steak from Stouffer's. Uh, Bengals schedule. They got Texans this weekend. Then it's the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football. Massive game. An opportunity to flip the trajectory in the AFC North. Then it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another massive game. Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. Very tough team. That's the first game in December. Then it's Colts, Vikings, Steelers, three winnable games, then Chiefs and Browns to end the year. I mean, if you would have showed me this schedule three weeks ago, I would have said the Bengals can lose every single game. There's no way they lose every single game, but man, that's a tough schedule. Like they're going to beat the Texans. I'm on the record. They're going to, they're going to beat Texans. Believe that. But Ravens, Jaguars, they're never good against the Steelers. Um, They got the Chiefs in there as well. They're never good against the Browns. This is going to be tough. I know the Bengals right now are around even money to make the playoffs, and they may even be into minus money after being plus 140 at the bye week. But this is going to be a tough stretch down, down the end of the way. But at the same time, with the way they're playing right now, having beaten the Bills and whooped the 49ers' ass and taken down the Seahawks, I don't see any reason why this team can't win out. Maybe a stretch. <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely love the confidence. Um, I, one thing I'll say is we better be in a good position from a playoff standpoint by the time we get into the last two weeks because the Chiefs and Browns, 
not saying they're not beatable, but as we've seen, we I don't know what goes on against the Cleveland Browns, but it is it is a catastrophe almost every time we play him. Like Baker Mayfield like owns Joe Burrow uh, as far as record wise, which is just sickening to me. Um, but we better be in a good spot. I mean, I, I think we should be able to Jaguars. I mean, the Vikings now have Josh did Dobbs. The, did you just did you just say the Jaguars? Yeah, what do you want me to call them? The Jaguars. The Jaguars. It's the not a Jaguars? Jaguar. It's a, yeah, Jaguar. a Jaguar. It's the yeah, Jacksonville it's a Jag- Jaguars. It's the Jacksonville it's- Jaguars. Okay, okay. The Jaguars. Jaguars? What do you want me to call them? The Jaguars? I call a crown a, oh. a, a, a crown. I call it a crown. Sorry, yeah, we're like- playing. Sorry, Chuck. I'll be, yeah, we're putting Cincinnati Bengals versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, <laughs> So, Jacksonville Jackoffs. See, they are the Jackoffs. I might have to go. We might. I might go to that game. What? What the fuck is even in Jacksonville? I, I feel like I should never go there. It's almost the Toledo of Florida. But no, uh, here's 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 what Jacksonville is. Uh, my sister-in-law, uh, Kedra Mills. Shout out. She once listened to this podcast. I don't know if she still does. Uh, I think 2018. She was a chatterhead uh, when we took about a four-year hiatus. It, it may have, you know, at that point unsubscribed her naturally as she got a new phone but jacksonville fun fact for those of you out there it's the largest state state it's the largest geography jesus walter there's a reason why you took it three times at ou you bitch. um jacksonville is the largest per square footage city in the united states it's the biggest jacksonville is but 90 percent is swamp their downtown area is a travesty. Like I was covering a UK game there um, a couple of years back when I was working at NBC in Lexington, they were playing their opening round games there. And like literally right after the game in downtown Jacksonville, the bars were just closed. Everyone's like, where do we go? They're like, you can go to the beach 45 minutes away. Cause it's the largest city in the U S their beaches are awesome. Jacksonville beach, Neptune beach. Great. But the, the city of Jacksonville as a whole, kind of stinks but they got a pool in the stadium so you can go down there and take your shirt oh off and, and show everyone your tats yeah yeah that's that's always been my goal is that over to jacksonville and show off tattoos um yeah everything you said makes it sound like it's the worst goddamn city in the country you're like well if i if i got if, if i left the stadium and was like oh where, where do people go after the game they're like oh fuck everything's close i don't know man you go down to the beach i would i'd have to knock them out right there even if he would beat my ass out of respect for myself, there's not a single bar that you can attend after you watch like a fantastic win. They make you go get Sandy at, at midnight at the beat. I mean, come on guys. Um, so yeah, Jacksonville's off the table. I will not be visiting, but um, I, <laughs> my point still stands that I think I know everyone's on, on the Jacksonville bandwagon right now. I think the Bengals are, light years better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so I'm not too concerned there. Like I said, it's the, uh, as far as the AFC is concerned, it's the Ravens. I know people aren't going to like that. The Ravens give me the most pause, obviously the chiefs, um, whatever. We just need to keep, like they said, Chuck, like, like, you know, our fathers always told us it's one game at a time. Okay. So we got to beat the Houston Texans. Let's keep it that way. 
One game at a time. I, I love that motto. And I'll weave in a quick Jacksonville story because somehow it got brought up on the chatter today. And this is a good one. Uh, 2018. So technically the statute of limitations is not up, but you know, like marijuana pot smoke, alcohol is legal. So I can talk about one of my worst moments as a broadcaster. Um, and there's, for a listener question coming up in just a bit, there's going to be another horrific moment. It's a lot worse than this one. Anyways, down in Jacksonville, the Jumbo Shrimp are hosting the Tennessee Smokies straight out of college at that point. I think I'd been on TV for like a year or whatever. I was calling minor league baseball. I go out with a few pitchers, not naming any names, a few pitchers that I think are now in the majors. They're both in the majors. But um, at the time, they were double-A pitchers, and we went out in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, about 30 minutes away from our hotel. And it was one of those nights. Jägermeister. I told you Rumpelman's. I think that was involved. Uh, what a burger at four o'clock in the morning. Like one of those nights. The next day, they had a double header. There was a rain delay. So there was like a three hour period where we were just sitting there. I was the most hungover I've ever been in my entire life. I saw them tossing in the bullpen. They looked like shit. So I'm just sitting there. My broadcast partner sniffed it on me the moment I walked in there. He was a cool guy. And immediately it was just like, normally I was only, cause I was the assistant. Normally I only did the, uh, the third, the fourth and the seventh innings. He's like, you're doing all 14 innings. Cause there were seven inning games. So I had to do 14 innings. We were at the ballpark for like 14 hours. Uh, luckily the footage is deleted because it was terrible. I hope no one was listening. I was just like, get me out of this city. Then we had an eight hour drive up to Knoxville afterwards. It was brutal. And honestly, I, I learned my lesson. Uh, in the early years of my broadcasting career, I thought I could be a hero. I was like, I don't have to wake up until noon. Game's not till 7 p.m. I'll just sleep it off. And then you try to sleep it off and, you know, you have to go on the air hungover a few times and you realize it is the worst job in the world to be hungover doing. So that's my tangent there. You can respond if you'd like, or we can move on to um, another thing about Joe Burrow. Um, Yeah, it's it's shocking that it took you that long to realize. Like when I was, you know, 22 and going to work and I was hungover, like it, it was essentially like, can I can I open an Excel spreadsheet still? And I'm like, I think I can do it. And it was a struggle for me. I it, Calling... I don't know. You said you did 14 innings in one day. 14 innings. Yeah, 14 innings. You got to remember names. You got to, you know, on the fly, like, and it's now time for the Swaggerty Sausage call to the bullpen. Out of the pen for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. It's Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, so. Hey, but listen, we don't want to say any names. Maybe it was Clayton Kershaw, even though that would have made him like <laughs> nah, 33 he, at that point. He, he wasn't um, on a rehab assignment. Yeah. <laughs> That would have made him like in his early 30s, hanging out with Chuck Walter, chugging Rumplemans. I I find it hard to believe, but yeah, just be self-aware next time. If, if listen, if you have to go open the Excel spreadsheet Monday morning at 8:30, yeah, maybe have a couple cocktails. If you have to call 14 innings of minor league baseball, I say maybe you stay in. Listener question. This has been in our inbox on the Chatter Podcast Instagram for quite some time, and we just did not see it because it was in our requests, and we didn't click on the request. And once we did, we realized that a listener named Howard in Wilder, Kentucky, said, after seeing Hudson's horror story moment in the interview with legend Dan Horde, what are some other moments in life when things went horribly sideways and scarred you forever? He even gave... um he gave his example, Howard's most embarrassing. 
He says, in college, I took an Adderall for the first final exam of my college career, Accounting 101. Unfortunately, I took a dose that was way too much and it caused me to sweat uncontrollably. I sat in the last row of the auditorium because I'm not a fucking dork. After 45 minutes of trying to act like there was hope, I finally decided to guess the rest of the way through and turn in my exam that was Scantron. I was the first done. I walked down the stairs, turned in my exam in front of 100 or so students in awe of my swift accounting skills. I then walked across campus to my dorm, and it was there I realized I had sweat so bad I had a line of dark ass sweat in my gray sweatpants that I put on display for 100 students in the exam, as well as any bystanders that happened to be on campus. Wow. I mean, how do we respond to Howard there? That's a trailblazer. You don't wear gray, Howard. You don't wear gray. I did, I did something similar. I just I tried to work out before class. You know what I mean? You try to get a, like a workout and you're sweating your ass off. Then you shower. And I'm talking like within, you know, five minutes because you got to get right to class. And then you realize as you're on your way to the class, because I would assume whatever, wherever this guy went to college, it's a decent little walk, a little brisk walk. Then you, you're not sweating yet, but the second you sit down in the auditorium, the sweat starts to uncontrollably hit you. And I did that where I was at a, it was probably the same kind of a lecture hall. And there was only the seat was in the middle. And I was literally, I shit you not, like profusely dripping. It seemed like somebody had a bucket of water over my head and just kept dumping it on me. Like I was looking around and I knew people were going, is he, is he having a seizure? Like, is he going to just like hit the ground and start convulsing? So I was trying to make my exit. And then the teacher said something and I realized I had to get the fuck out of there. So I just... In the middle row, it was like a, being in a movie theater, a game. Everybody has to stand up, and then I run out as I doused in sweat. So I feel for him. You just can't wear gray. You gotta, you gotta go black. You gotta go white in these scenarios. That's it. Okay, so I mean, is that your most embarrassing story? Do you have anything that sticks out, or um... no, no? That's that. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would love to be that big of a douche. Like that's my most embarrassing story I've ever had personally. Um, that, yeah, Howard, let you me, douche. <laughs> come on. That's, that's shit. That is the, that's the least embarrassing thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay. You need it. I, so I had swamp great. ass. You had swamp ass, Howard. Grow up. Yeah. Swamp ass is like, what is my every day of my life? The most embarrassing moment of my life? No. Swamp ass happens every damn day, Howard. You're a coward. Um, you know, shout out for the five stars that you probably gave us, but. Chuck, I'll let you take this one. If you got something lined up, I gotta I'd have to think on this one. Maybe I'll drop it another show or something, but I got plenty in the in the chamber, but I gotta really think of it. Um so I was thinking maybe my performances in Cancun when I went twice for college spring break where I lost my passport, uh had debit cards stolen out of my room and, and had two hundred thirty dollars spent at a Baskin Robbins. Um I was lended eighty dollars actually because I lost my wallet. I was lended $80 to buy myself like a, a club pass that night and go out with my buddies. And by the time I walked from one hallway to the other, like 90 feet, the $80 was just gone. It was just a bad scene. So I went downstairs, everyone was at the club and just ate at the all-inclusive joint by myself. And they were out of hot dogs. So I ate a bean sandwich. I put beans in a hot dog bun and just sat there like, get me the fuck out of here. Get me back to Athens. This is terrible. So that was pretty embarrassing. Um, but I would say 
And then there were no repercussions there. Like now that I'm telling you statute of limitations are up, I'm telling you on this, this podcast and you're like, wow, Chuck was an idiot. Um, but I was an idiot one time and it got me fired from my job. And <clears throat> the only time I've ever been fired aside from graders when I was uh, a senior in high school. And the only reason I got fired is because, um, I asked someone to take my shift. They said, no, I said, well, I'm not going. I have a Toby Keith concert tonight. And they said, well, if you don't come back, you're fired. And the Mueller basketball season started a week later. So I was just like, okay, fire me. I won't be scooping ice cream next week. And so they fired me. Um, I didn't pick up my paycheck either. And I think I was owed like 80 bucks, which is a lot in high school. And I was just so mortified. I didn't go and get it. So I should honestly go back to the Marymount graders and just be like, yo, you got my 80 bucks. Uh, Um, They won't be a sponsor of this show. No, no. And UDF's better anyways. So shout out UDF. Um, anyways, I'd say my first station in Montgomery, Alabama, I was walking out of the newsroom in front of a bunch of people that I didn't know anyone in Alabama. Like aside from the butcher, Frank McGill, the only people I knew were the people that I worked with. And I was walking through this newsroom with everyone staring at me. I had my head down and I had like, you know, is that that first job where you think it's so cool that you have a job out of college? So you bring like your pictures. And I brought like a, a Bengals poster that was like three by five feet and brought all my suits in there and, you know, bobbleheads and stuff. I'm walking out of work with just like 10 suits hanging over my shoulder and 500 ties around my neck, like the big poster and everything, just like not looking where I'm going because I don't want to look anyone in the eyes. It was just absolutely mortifying. Um, and the full story was, so, so basically I I wasn't ready for my, my first job out of college, no doubt about it. They hired me because I had a tape and in broadcasting, that's how you get hired. You, you have your demo tape or whatever. And if it's good enough, they hire you regardless of whether you're ready or not. And I told you, Mark Donor made my tape. So I was good enough on air to where Donor slapped it together. I didn't know how to edit, which is, kind of a big deal editing and shooting in a small market. Like that's what you do. You go out and you shoot highlights, you edit them and everything. So, you know, I was going out to high school football games and I turn in my highlights like 40 seconds before the show started. So the producers would be panicking. It was a nightmare. I wasn't ready for the job. Um, you, you live and you learn anyways. You would do what? Hold on. What you're saying, but that, are you saying you would send the tapes to the producers like 20 seconds before you had to be on air? It would take me so long to edit. So I'd go out and I'd shoot the high school games. The games would start at, you know, seven 30 or whatever. And then the show would start at 10 PM. The game would end at nine 30. You know, I'd get my highlights. I'd come back in and it would take me so long to edit. And then I oh, had so to they voice. made you edit the shit too. You couldn't yeah. just send the footage to somebody. Oh, no, that's no, sickening. that's small market TV. And I had to voice over too. And I wasn't good. So it wasn't like now where you can just watch the video and be like, yo, Stanley yelled at to the house. You know, like I had to script it and everything. I was bad. And, and you know, I was 22, 23 years old. And anyways, yeah, the, the reason that I got fired on this day, this is a great story. And statute of limitations are up at this point. It's been a decade, um, even though I graduated in 2015. So I don't know if it, uh, the statute of limitations are actually up. But anyways, I wanted to go to the USC Alabama game. I'd been down there for a year and a half. I thought I'd earned it. It was in Dallas, Texas. This is going to be my big moment. I had only covered like Troy. They sent me to only Troy Trojans football games. I was covering the Sun Belt. I was like, come on now. 
I was ranked the number eight collegiate sportscaster in the country by Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. I was a second team All-American and the number Good one deal. rated sports broadcaster out of the state of Ohio. I thought that meant something. It didn't mean shit. I stunk. So anyways, cocky me wants to go to this game in Dallas and they say, you know what? You have worked hard, so we're not going to send you to Troy. We're going to send you up to Atlanta for the Tuskegee against Clark Atlanta game. And I lost my mind. I'm like, what? You're sending me to this instead of Alabama, USC, the debut of Jalen Hurts. Like I'm going to Tuskegee, Clark Atlanta, like, and, and you know, news directors like, hey, it's come on now. It's, it's, you know, it's the playoffs. It's a big deal. And, you know, I would have handled it differently now, but, but back then it was like, screw this. You know, my coworkers, once again, I, I've been here longer. I deserve to go to this Alabama game. And once again, I'm not going. So what do I do? I immediately hit up my buddies fish and a few other people and say, Hey, I'm going up to Atlanta. As soon as this game's over, I'm dipping. Obviously I'm not supposed to stay overnight in Atlanta. I got like a company car. I got thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Like I'm immediately supposed to bolt back after this game and be back in Alabama for my shift the next day. I go out in Alabama or in Atlanta, excuse me. And I mean, I was the mayor of Johnny's hideaway by the end of that night. I mean, good God. They knew my name. They're like, Chuck is a legend. He's out there. He's, he's danced to September 14 times tonight. Why does this guy keep turning on earth, wind and fire? Chuck. I mean, he's got away with the DJ right now. They just keep playing it. Pretty sure they were chanting my name. Maybe it was in my mind because I had so many whiskey and Cokes and they were very strong at Johnny's hideaway. By the way, one of the best bars in America next day, I wake up, I'm feeling groggy like you did when you can't open your Excel, Excel spreadsheet. I drive home. It's about three hours from Atlanta to Alabama, and I have a shift that day. And I'm on the phone with my parents. I'm pretty sure I was actually like in tears. Um, this is getting emotional. In tears because I hated the job so much. I had no friends in Alabama. I was like, I just got to get out of this place. This sucks. I had a three-year contract. So like if you break your contract, you can't get a TV job anywhere else. Like you're stuck. They own the rights to you. And it, it just, it, it sucked. Everything about it. On the way home, I'm talking to my parents. Um, and all of a sudden I hear, I'm out of gas on the side of the highway. And I, my brain is not there. So what do I do as a problem solver? No, I don't call the company and say I ran out of gas. I just walk up the highway and get some gas like a problem solver. So I walked up about, it was right off the shoulder. So probably point one to this gas station. I first get myself a, I get myself one of those red containers. I come back after I filled it up with gas, I get ready to pour it in. And then I realize I need a funnel. I'm like, God bless. As I do that, a family boy. And I got the station, like the, their, their logo just plastered all over this car as I'm walking down the highway. Oh, this is bad. Um, I've never told anyone this, but I don't care. Um, anyways, Lorenzo's on uh, dude. No, I'll finish this story in a second. Oh no. Finish this. No, finish the story. It's great. <laughs> no, we got this Lorenzo. I'll finish it in a minute. How are we doing? Hey, I'm great, guys. I'm great. I was freaking enjoying every second of that story about you freaking thinking you're Hollywood and freaking going to Alabama 
and thinking. Hold on, hold on. Dude, I gotta finish. I didn't think you heard the whole thing. By the way, this is this is oh a, this is podcasting gold right here. This is this is the five-time Pro Bowler. This is the five-time Pro Bowler, former Cincinnati Bengal. He blocked for Corey Dillon. He blocked for Ladanian Tomlinson. It is Lorenzo Neal joining the show. So here's what happens, Lorenzo. A family pulls over on the side of the road picks me up and they're like, Hey, you need some help. They drive me back to the gas station, get me the funnel, fill me up with some gas. Um, I drive back, I fill it up, whatever. Um, and ends up at some point, here's where the story's great. I thought it was big time. I go, Hey, tell you, there were two little kids in the backseat of the car, probably ages five and seven. I said, Hey, tell, uh, t- tell the little guys back there that anything they want's on me. So they went in there and bought like some slushies. They went in there, bought some slushies. I spent about $8 as this family spent 30 minutes. No, but this is Southern hospitality for you, man. Like this family helped me out. Anyways, I get back to the station. I think it's hilarious. So I told one of my coworkers. And of course, my coworker told my boss the next day I got fired and I walked out with the 900 suits. So anyways, Lorenzo Neal, what's up, man? How was the golf game? Hey, you know what? I hit some good balls, and you know how this golf keeps you coming back. I had a couple pars at birdie here and there, but I had some doubles. I had a snowman, too, so you know how that goes, brother. I know how it goes, man. Lorenzo Neal, a co-host sure of mine on the, uh, the the Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers postgame shows at CBS in San Francisco, a former Cincinnati Bengal, and that's where I want to start you off, man. I want to get right into it. Your playing days in Cincinnati because you weren't bashful about it. I asked you, you played in you know New Orleans. You played with the Chargers, who you love still to this day. You played with the Tennessee Titans, blocking for Eddie George. You are on the record saying that your time in Cincinnati, especially your last year there, was somewhat of a train wreck. As we know, any Bengals fan knows, 2002 was not a great year. Take me into just the the locker room and and the culture at that time in Cincy. Well, for one, I love Dick LeBeau. I thought some of the coaches were absolutely amazing, but we had some guys that just didn't really love football. You know, you had to to kill Spikes, a great player, love football. You had Willie Anderson. So there were some great players at Corey Dillon, some great players. But there was a lot of guys, Kitna. But then we had the guy, Achilles Smith. Everyone thought this was going to be, you know, the next thing since sliced bread. I mean, it was crazy kind of going through with some of these guys. And Scott Mitchell, bless their heart, guys couldn't play football. They just didn't have it. And so, you know, you win two games. You're, you know, you're the laughing stock of the NFL. It was tough. But you know what? To the credit, there were some guys there. I don't want to call, say everyone didn't try hard. I mean, I made the Pro Bowl that year, so that was the first Pro Bowl I made. So I was glad I did something right. But I'll tell you what, it was a humbling experience. But I didn't think Cincinnati, because only four hours from Tennessee. I thought, okay, you leave Tennessee, Cincinnati's right up the street. I thought it would be just comparable kind of place. Totally different. The Dirty Natties, totally different than Tennessee, guys. Totally different. <laughs> No, no, I love that. And uh, it's going off that that Corey Dillon. So you still somehow squeaked out with a Pro Bowl appearance after, you know, we were wearing, uh, you know, garbage bags over our heads at the games, winning two games a year. But I I was looking through just because, you know, obviously I remember you as, you know, you were like my generation's fullback, you know. And I I was looking through the stats, and I'm like, you basically blocked for a 1,000-yard rusher. I think it was like, I don't know, 10 consecutive years in a row. Why the hell didn't one of these teams just lock you in for like eight years? Because it just seemed kind of like you were going from team to team. And I'm like, 
I'm no GM, but give me Lorenzo Neal on a lifetime contract. Yeah, you know what? I appreciate that. Creates appreciate the vote of confidence. I'll tell you right now, the fullback position, you know that, man. They don't respect it, and they don't value it. I, I think I tell this story all the time. Charlie, you could appreciate this. You know what? I remember being in grade school, and it's teacher, kindergarten, to teach, I think, and she said, Mr. Cole, that's his name. He said, hey, look, I want you guys to bring whatever your favorite fruit or vegetable to school, and you're going to have show and tell, and I want you guys to talk about it. I go home and I tell my grandma. Her name was Viola. Oh, grandma, she said, son, I want you to bring this onion. I said, what, grandma? The onion. And she gave me a story, and she told me what to tell them at show and tell. And she said this. She said, you know what, people, the next day they were bringing in flowers and roses and, you know, pretty tomatoes and strawberries and cherries. And they were talking about how voluptuous and how sweet they were, right? And I told my story. I said, you know what? I feel like the old onion. The onion, you know, is one of the most disrespected vegetables in the group. But guess what? When you want that good hamburger, you call on that onion. When you want that good soup, you call on that onion. When you want a good fullback, you better call on that onion. When you want a good lead blocker, you call on that onion. So the fullback position, I like to call it the old onion position. So that's what I was. I was the old onion. When you wanted a lead draw and you wanted to go downhill, you called on that old onion. And that's old O'Neal, baby. Hell yeah. And I don't know if you ever watched the movie Holes or read the book Holes, but The Onion actually saved a few characters in that book back in the day. So don't sleep on The Onion. Uh, Lorenzo, you played with some of the best, as I mentioned. Uh, Tomlinson, Eddie George, Corey Dillon, list goes on and on. Did you play with the best running back in football history or who is the best running back in football history per Lorenzo Neal? Yeah, you know what? It's tough because, you know what? There were so many different eras. When you think about what Jim Brown was able to do, you look at what Franco Harris and you look, you look at guys like, you know, when I, I loved his watching guy from Texas, you know, Earl the Pearl. But what these guys did, they were all great in their own era. But, yeah, in, in the era when you look at LaDainian Tomlinson, when you think about him and Marshall Falk, you look at certain running backs and what they brought to the table, Barry Sanders. LaDainian Tomlinson was lightning in the bottle. I think when you think about Barry Sanders, yeah, he could cut on a dime and make, you know, and leave nine cents change, nine and a half cents change. But LT wasn't that far behind him. But I think if you say – who was a better receiver? Who was the best catch, pass catcher out of the backfield between Barry and LT? I think it's hands down LaDainian Thomason. LaDainian Thomason, guys, this guy was absolutely amazing. And when he was even with you, he was leaving. If LT was even, if you saw the back of 2-1, it was too late. So I played with some great back. Eddie George, downhill, tough, physical guy, you know, big guy, great feet. But I tell you, Corey Dillon ran pretty hard, too. Corey Dillon was an amazing running back, too. Work done was able to play in Tampa Bay with work done and Mike Allstock. I was blessed, man. Everyone talks about how great of a fullback was. I was, I think I was one of the smartest because I followed those great backs and and they they made me look good just like I made them look good. But Ladanian Thompson, guys, we know it. This guy is going to be on. He was a short list, you know, one of the greatest all, of all times. Just what he brought to the table and how he did it and how he went about doing it. And not to say that you know all those other guys didn't work hard and do those things because they did. But LaDainian Thompson, guys, he was special. And I think he is one of the greatest running backs ever to play this game. Yeah, well, shout out LT. I, I can't remember what year it was. My fantasy team won single-handedly because of him. And, you know, thank you to yourself as well, obviously. We don't want to forget the onion in the equation here. We were um, playing fantasy 15 years ago? Jesus. Dude, hey, dude, hey, dude, hey, I had hey, LT. Hey. Thank you. Exactly. Don't, Charlie, just because you're a young buck and you wanted to skip work and Take go to Alabama and right. go watch US. You know what, Charlie? Leave us alone. Yes, fantasy was around there. Yes, and yes, we could win some points. Good for you. Keep Charlie in yeah. line. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I, I 
you know, you obviously had all these great running backs, but I don't know if most of our listeners know. So you actually got drafted as a running back, you know, um, and it sounded like there was an injury, an ankle injury earlier in your career. Do you ever think that, you know, maybe we'd be talking as far as you as, as a LaDainian Tomlinson, maybe not necessarily that caliber, but do you think the trajectory as far as a running back would have, would have made, um, you know, a solid career for you? Or do you think it was always going to be moving to that fullback position at some point? Oh, no question, man. I think I was compared to like a Jerome Bettis. If you think the way that I ran early in my career, pull up those games and you see I was leading the league in rushing the first two weeks. I know it doesn't mean anything, but I went out and, you know, at halftime against Atlanta after a 73-yard run from scrimmage. So I ran physical, ran hard, a lot like Bettis. I would get downhill and, you know, I was, you know, 245 pounds and I was a big guy and I could get downhill. The Saints drafted me and they end up trading Ironhead Hayward to Atlanta because of the fact that they thought that they knew that that I could play the running back position because of the fact it's interesting guys, because Kelly Skipper was my running back coach at Fresno state. Jim Skipper was my running back coach with the new Orleans saints. So he was telling them, he said, look, I know you guys don't know about this guy because for little Fresno state, but this guy can tote the mail. And I think he had a lot to do with my success and also me getting drafted to the new Orleans saints. Um, Jim Skipper, because it's Kelly Skipper, his son uh, told him about me at what I was able to do at Fresno state. So here's one, a blast in the past that you probably haven't had to answer on in a little bit. State champion wrestler Lorenzo Neal still owns the California state record for fastest pin in a match. You ever thought about WWE, man? I mean, you're you're quite the showman. I think you could go out there, rip off your shirt. I know you're eating a lot of brisket at this day and age, but I saw you a couple weeks ago running the hills of San Francisco. You look good still have the physicality and you put on a show you ever thought about it because we're willing to uh potentially you know be your hype man if you do want to go that route yeah have i talked thought about wrestling the wwe or wwf i'll tell you right now guys believe this or not go read chuck liddell's book chuck liddell the i aka the ice man i know you guys know that name chuck liddell's at wrestling at cal poly i tell chuck hey, you need to start this UFC. You need to go ahead and start fighting because he was, you know, wanting to know, should he get in the UFC? Me and Chuck Liddell, we go way back. I've been knowing him since college, Cal Poly days. And I'm one of those guys who told him, hey, look, you need to get into UFC. Read his book. He talks about him and I. We meet, he worked at this place called The Graduate in Cal Poly, and he was a bouncer, right? So I'm coming in to see Chuck and everyone. I'm, I, You know, I have, I'm feeling no pain that night, Charlie. I'm walking. I said, where's Chuck Liddell? Where's Chuck Liddell? Everyone said, Chuck, this big guy's out there calling you out, looking for you. So I come out there. Chuck Chuck, Chuck sees everyone parts, opens up, and he runs at me. I run at me, jumps over the bar. Everyone think we're getting ready to brawl, and we go up and hug each other. So, man, I had some great days. No, I did never thought about WWE. Did think about the UFC, but I don't know, Charlie. I don't like getting hit. Uh, you don't like getting hit. Hell, you're, you said Chuck Liddell was a bouncer at a bar in college? Yeah. Shit. Chuck yeah, he worked at a place called The Graduate down in Cal Poly. Chuck wrestled at Cal Poly. Chuck and I, you read his book, he talks about that. You know, he and I, you know, go way back. And, he, you know, he talks about me in his book, too. So, yeah, Chuck Liddell, man, was a bouncer. This guy, you know, got in the UFC. And, man, you know, we've been friends ever since. You've seen the Charger games. He's always wearing my jersey. To this day, he goes in that stadium with 41 on him. That's right, boys, 41. I, I'm just imagining if I was, you know, just getting a little bit too rowdy as like a 22 year old at a college bar. And all of a sudden I go, holy hell, that bouncer really put me in one hell of an arm bar. I don't know. And it's, it's oh, it turns out it was Chuck Liddell and Lorenzo Neal. Those are the guys that whooped my ass. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you a quick, quick story. So yeah. I'm playing with Baltimore, one of my final years. 
And Chuck says, man, I want to come out and see you in Baltimore. Chuck flies out. It's me, Chuck Liddell. We go to Ray, Sugar Ray's place, Ray, Ray Lewis. It's me, Chuck, Ray Lewis, Michael Phelps, and and uh, and, 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 and Mike um, works for ESPN. Now I'm forgetting. Mike Silver. Mike Silver. And he's there, and he's just talking junk to everybody in the bar. He's He tells this story to this day. If you guys ever see him, say, hey, tell me about the time when you are with Chuck Liddell, Michael Phelps, Lorenzo Neal, Ray Lewis, how tough were you feeling in the middle of the bar? So we're all hanging out, man. We had a great time. So, man, I've been I've been around blessed, man. I've met so many guys and had such a great fun with so many of these different athletes and entertainers, man. It was awesome. Oh, no, I bet. Maybe one day we'll get me and Chuck to hang out with uh, with you guys. It sounds like we fit right in there. Absolutely. Um, I, <laughs> I did have I did have I know we're I know we're keeping you late, but I did have one question for you. It's not Pacific um, time. He's not. We're not keeping him. Oh late. yeah, you're it's right. Like, Shit, I'm, yeah, I'm the one that it's late for me. I'm out in Eastern. Um, who would win? I guess in a and I think I already know the answer. But every time I used to live with football players back in college, it was um, it was in the MAC though, so not necessarily your you know your your blue chip recruits or anything, but big dudes, and they kind of ran the campus. And the one group that we would they would never screw with were the wrestlers. Now, and they kind of hated each other, but they never screwed with each other. And you were on both sides of this coin. If In, in your scenario, who are you saying, you know what, we got to avoid the, this crew. We can't be doing shit that we like to do or, you know, messed around with so-and-so's chick or anything like that. Which side are you on, wrestler or football player? Without a doubt, 1,000% wrestlers, guys. Let me tell you right now, look up the name Zinkin, Harold Zinkin, Dwayne Zinkin, their grandfather invented the Nautilus machine. They, they're freaking well-to-do well family here in Fresno. I've been wrestling, we've been knowing each other for 30, 40 years, ever since high school, grade school. And so I'm at Fresno State, you know, you don't, you know, the scholarship money's not that much. And these guys are richer than God. They're, they, you know, they own more real estate in the Central Valley than anyone. And uh, so what I would do, I would get the football players, and these guys with 124, 128, 130 pounds, 134 pounds, Harold. And I would get the big lineman, and I said, dude, I'll bet you 20 bucks this guy can take you down. I would leave the night with like two, 300 bucks. I'd have all my partying money, guys, because I would bet on these wrestlers. And wrestlers, they don't care how big the guy is. They just sweep and single and take them down. So absolutely, 100%, 1,000%, I'm rolling with the wrestlers. And you, Harold Zinkin won me so much money. And he didn't even need money. He was just the cauliflower ear, him and Dwayne. They would just have fun taking down these football players. And these football players would be so mad. But what do you do? They just took you down, pretty much choked you out. You don't want to fight them. <laughs> no, the cauliflower ear. That's the first signal. It's like, don't, don't screw with that guy. He's yeah. going to whoop your ass. He's going to, he's going to kidnap your family. You're going to be, yeah, yeah it, it is what it is. Oh, no Rizzo, 1994 to 2007. You were essentially the Cal Ripken junior of football, a streak of 221 consecutive games played came to an end. That's 13 years. What is the Lorenzo Neal secret to longevity? What is the football player diet? Like, how the hell were you able to take that many hits for 13, 14 straight years? Well, one, Charlie, I was I was blessed, you know, and, and thank the good man upstairs who, you know, gave me an incredible body and I was able to, you know, endure. I come from a small town in Leemore, California, you know, raised slopping hogs, you know, bucking hay. So I was put together pretty well. But first of all, it's 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 the man upstairs. You got to be blessed. You got to be lucky. You got to be blessed. And, uh, and, and work my work ethic every day, guys, I would come in, even if I wasn't, if I didn't have to lift, 
every day I would make sure that I did 225, 25, 30 times, one rep in between meetings. I would run in and do that. And I would squat no matter what every day, 225, 40 to 50 times in a row. I, and I did neck every day. I would do no nos and yes, yeses on my neck every single day. So those are some of the things because guys, your body is your, you know, you got to keep that body together. So I made sure, you know, six, seven days a week I was doing squats. And then when I do legs, the leg workout, it was unbelievable workout. But every day I was just going to do that no matter what I was going to do. That was on top of it. And I I, I boxed with Paul Baton, the middleweight champion of the world. I hired trainers. I did you name it. Bikram, hot yoga, uh, Pilates, stretching, uh, but getting there in the boxing ring and just be in unbelievable shape. Off season, I would come back to Fresno and wrestle with the wrestling team. So I'm telling you guys, I worked hard to be able to last that long and be able to play for those 13 years. But most of all, I was just blessed. I got one more for you, Lorenzo. You played with Mike Allstott. You've told me before he's he's a dear friend of yours and one of the greatest fullbacks in the game. I mean, we're talking 1A, 1B, Lorenzo Neal, Mike Allstott. It's debatable. It's up for grabs, you know. Allstott was good. I, I still take low Neal. He's I'm got biased. hair now all of a sudden. Sidebar. Yeah. He's like, Mike Allstott has a full head of hair. Why are you hate? Only Charlie can hate. You don't need to be hating on Mike Allstott. I'm going to call him and tell me and Mike's going to come on the show together. I promise you guys, we're going to we're gonna have a ride. Man, Mike Allstott, without a doubt, was one of the greatest running fullbacks in the league ever. If you're talking about just a running fullback. Blocking, I think I was a better blocker. But if you said, hey, who's the best runner? Mike Allstott. You said, who was one of the best receiving fullbacks in the league ever? I would say Larry Sinners. I think Larry Sinners, if you look what he did, he caught 100 balls as a fullback. Larry Sinners was amazing. So I think that you got categories. But, yes, Mike Allstar, you're talking about running the football hands down. This guy was one, was elite. So here's the deal, though. You, you see it nowadays with the professional boxing matches. Uh, Lamar Odom's out there. Nate Robinson's getting his ass kicked. If we had Mike Allstott against Lorenzo Neal, I think football fans would pay some money for it. Who wins in a boxing match if he each had three months to train? Yeah, uh, he would. He, well, you know what? In Mike's, Mike's, you know, his his neck and he had surgery. He would never do it. But even in his best day, he's got a better chance of scratching the line, scratching the lion's ass in the telephone booth than handling this. You know that, baby. He couldn't handle me, Charlie. He has no chance, baby. Love that. Houdini, you have one last question or are we letting Lorenzo get on his way? No, I'm going to, I'm going to let him go. Um, I'm going to, I got to start squatting like Lorenzo cause I, I can barely get out of bed sometimes. <laughs> and I just jotted down that workout regimen. So I'm going to be in next time. Hey. We'll get Lorenzo on another time and he won't even recognize me. Well, here's right? what I I'm want you to you. do this. Well, this is what I got for you. I want you to do 10 burpees, 10 pushups, 10 suitcases and 10 squats. I want you to have a running clock. So you're going to get a running clock and only for 10 minutes. I want 10 burpees. I want 10 suitcases where you lay on your back and you know your legs and hands come together, mid and suitcase, your clothes crunch. And then I want push-ups and I want 10 squats. And then you're going to go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, all the way to 1. 10-minute clock. Let me know how you boys do getting that done. The old man's still what? doing that at 50-some years old. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Love that. Lorenzo Neal. The fullback, make the fullback great again. Put this man in the Hall of Fame. It is long past due. Lo, one of my favorites. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I know we've been playing phone tag for a little bit. Keep working on that slice, man. We'll do it, man. We'll get it. We'll do it again soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks, See you, man. man. Some people have wives. Others attack mid-major money lines like a fat guy attacks a hostess orange cupcake. Some dream of sinking pars. The spread hunters dream of nailing a parlay. Your teasing comes in the bedroom. 
The Spread Hunters tease the Browns and the Lions. Once again, these are the Spread Hunters. All right, so Houdini's um, won 6-1 and one through his first eight games. He's been absolutely atrocious, but he's had weeks to work on his, his picks. I think I'm feeling sharp plays from him this weekend. I'm 6-2. and two. Here we go. Four spreads, uh, two college football, two NFL. It's the way we do it. I'm going Alabama minus 10.5 at Kentucky. I'm fading the Sharps and the money. We're going with the Crimson Tide. I think they're going to beat the brakes off Kentucky, just like they did the last time they played them. And then I'm getting dicey. I'm going deep into the weeds. Four and five, Old Dominion. The Monarchs getting 13 and a half at Liberty, who's 9 and 0. 9% of the money is on Old Dominion. Liberty's the biggest sucker bet of all time. I'm taking Old Dominion. The Falcons minus one and a half at the Arizona Cardinals. Carson Toon? Carson Toon stinks. Sharps are on the Falcons. Money's on the Cardinals. That is the perfect recipe. Give me Arizona at minus one and a half. And I'm going with Baltimore, minus six against the Cleveland Browns. I think Baltimore's rolling right now. Thoughts? Well, I was too busy staring at my picks thinking how oh, there's no chance they lose to even really listen to you, Chuck. But um, I, I I got your, your college ones. I kind of agree. What was the last pick you just made? The NFL one? Uh, Baltimore, minus six. Let me make sure I jot that down. That's not a hometown pick. All right, fair enough, Chuck. Um, I don't know. I, I can't really say I hate it, considering you're like six and whatever, and I'm one and six. So I think uh, the proof is in the pudding a little bit, but we'll see. I'm, I'm due for a comeback. So I'm going to go. We'll start college football. I'm not a Michigan homer. I don't want people to think this. But Michigan minus four and a half against Penn State. I don't think um, I don't think Penn State has the juice defensively or offensively to, to hang with Michigan. Give me Michigan, and we got Stallions stealing signs, which will help us. Um, and then give me Miami, Florida plus fourteen against Florida State. Okay, that's a little dicey of a pick, but we're gonna roll with it. All right, give me the U. And then going on to NFL, we are going with the Colts. This is just such a square pick. Colts minus one and a half against the Patriots. I love it. I don't have, I can't, I I can't go with Bill Belichick right now. That team sucks. Um, And then we're going with the uh, Jaguars plus three against the Niners. Good stuff. Hey, what a show today. What a show on the chatter. I, I kept you in the studio for like, an hour and 45 minutes because we also did a chatterbox bearcat show if you like the cincinnati bearcats now's a good time to tell you go over to chatterbox bearcats for all bearcats postgame shows uh player interviews good stuff over there uh, it's our entertaining commentary so we like to think plus bearcats basketball non-stop lorenzo neal comes on the show weaves into my most embarrassing story this was long overdue we hadn't put out a show in 10 days but i think this is the greatest episode in podcast history or at least in the chatter history no doubt about it houdini go hang out with your girlfriend at at this point michaela is probably like i'm just gonna go hang out with my mom because my boyfriend has been on the computer for two hours at this point so houdini good stuff until next time this is the chatter